Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 34, uh, which begins with Kane saying he's all right and ends with uh, a close shot of an egg with something moving inside of it. We're joined again by Caitlin Horseman. Hi. Where shall we start with this? Our ever-ready explorer trips and falls. Yeah, and something something very specific changes here. Again, we're Caitlin. One of the things we've noticed doing this minute by minute thing is things seem to change often right on the minute mark. And our theory is that it has something to do with Ridley Scott's uh, years shooting commercials that he does things in thirty second <laughs> increments. But here we've gone from this uh, this grand set, this science fiction, this orderly, as you said, setting to a guy falling down into a different kind of setting. Yeah, so we go from a really clean, um, surprisingly undusty for however long it's been sitting there alone, set to a very dirty, disorganized kind of dirt floor um, where we see all of these objects scattered around. So again, we get this really stark contrast between um, the organic and the inorganic. Um, and he even says it in the line, um, there's life in there, organic life. Well, we seem to to be treated to another point of view shot, but this is different than the last one. Right. It's there's no helmet. There's no helmet. Yeah. So what do you what do you make of that? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that um, it tend it we have this sort of internal perspective with the helmet, and it feels very closed off. And here we have this very externalized perspective where we share his point of view with him in a different way. Does it make it more dangerous? Do you think? I think I mean I think it's it's probably a decision about attention to the set but it does make it more dangerous and it seems you know I th- I think that it the question of interpolation point of view shots are actually um less effective on the audience than w- when you have that kind of barrier in front of it right. than this kind of point of view shot. And it's not even actually a match cut. So we see him from this kind of neutral perspective and then we see what he's seeing, but it isn't sort of as insistent as it would be if it were a true match cut. Yeah. And so, so in a way, ironically, when we're inside the helmet in what I guess we could say is kind of a trick shot, but it's the filmmaker working really hard to literally approximate a character's gaze, somehow that's not nearly as disturbing as when you remove all of that. There's there's so it's a it's it's like removing a what distanciation device or something, right? Yeah. So get rid of the gimmick and it's scarier suddenly. Right. I think there's a certain amount of vulnerability that you're gonna feel, right? Yeah. From stepping out, you're now closer, you're not protected. Kane again walking straight in, you know, curiosity uh, is paramount to him. He's ready to just inspect these eggs, and he's, I think, a little bit careless, to be perfectly honest. At this point, it's going from bravery to maybe foolhardy, careless, uh, cavalier behavior. But So he steps up to the egg and inspects it. He talks about this organic uh, makeup, and despite knowing that there's some sort of a warning device here, he goes ahead, and uh, I, I think he's attempting to actually touch it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like testing to see if the water's hot, you know, putting your hand over something to make sure. It's... He's putting his hand, he's going to touch it, and it zaps at him and makes a noise. And, uh, yeah, I never really thought about it this way, and I might be way behind on this. I always assumed that it was just a warning, like, you know, stay away. Uh, maybe even at some point this warning device had, there was some kind of alien 
you know, aliens there to guard at some point that were no longer there. But I uh, now see it as a device to tell the facehugger that there is a host present. And like I said, you guys are probably out there all the way ahead of me on this, but this is just the first discovery I've made of this idea. So is that something that you thought about before, either of you? Yeah, I mean, I think that the convention would say that it's an alarm, right? So we see that a lot that, you know, you make some signal and maybe aliens will come rushing out. But in this movie, it seems more like an alarm clock, right? That it wakes up um, whatever's inside the egg. And it's it's interesting that at this moment in cinema, we have lots of moments where we have pods and eggs and things that are encapsulated outside the body. Um, but also what's scarier than an army of invaders is this sort of quiet, mysterious um, blossoming of life inside the inside the pod. They uh, apparently, according to Giger's notes, I think that was where I read it. Dan O'Bannon came in one day insisting that there be only six eggs. I have no idea why or what that meant, except one for each crew. I don't know, one for each crew member. I have no idea why, but he was insistent on six eggs, apparently, according to this thing that I read. That argument ultimately uh, did not uh, persist and and win, and we have m- far more than six eggs, which seems a lot scarier to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the six eggs thing, but certainly more is better. In this case, it doesn't have to be thousands but there was also i guess a big controversy over the initial design of the top of the egg which we get to see in this in this minute which is sort of a, a cross you know that goes two ways right yeah. initially it was it was basically a single vagina yes and um they said that they were concerned that the catholic countries would cut that out and so <laughs> so they decided they decided that they they would try to go for more of a of a flower opening mm-hmm. which I don't know if that makes things better or worse. I don't. I don't know. It's 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 confusing well, me now. But Giger apparently, say... no Catholics got upset with the current design of it. So that's a good thing. Well, when they told him to give it the the sort of cross design, didn't Giger say, "Oh, good. I, now I get two vaginas." Yeah, I, I believe that so. was his exact words. <laughs> so it wasn't any problem on their part. <laughs> well, and I like that the line is, um, "Oh, it looks completely sealed off." which is this kind of undercurrent in this film, nothing, nobody is completely sealed off, right? So everybody has an opening, whether it exists or it's forced. And so I think it's a it's foreshadowing again um, for the face huggers attack. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, again, I just totally, the fact that it's this three-dimensional object and it's big, I mean, it's the size of his helmet and he just keeps getting closer and closer and closer to it. And there's a sort of, you can hear it in my voice, there is a sort of glee associated with that because it's the, it's, it's the sadist viewer. I mean, the first time you see this movie, you're probably the masochist. And the movie, you know, beats you up and terrifies you and moves you through all that stuff. Second time you see this movie, you don't have to be the masochist if, if you want to. You can totally be the sadist and take complete joy in a movie where people get that close to that damn thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's the lure of the other, right? So it's the... It is the um, ultimate curiosity in this movie and in lots of genre cinema that it's all about sort of discovering what something not like you is like. And, and, and it's, it never it's, turns out well, does it? No, but it's irresistible. Yeah. Right. So after he touches or almost touches the egg, it activates the egg, let's say. It starts to come to life. We start to see a little movement. But the first thing we see is a funny little shot of drops of liquid going up. And uh, I think this is a persistent theme 
that we keep coming back to is this embrace of the weird. This uh, makes no physical sense at all. And if you try to think about it for even a second, you don't, you can't explain it. But when you're first watching this movie, or if you're even the hundredth time you watch this movie, if you let yourself be immersed in it, it's it's just something so wrong about it that it's kind of is it a little warning to you that hey, you shouldn't have done that. This is now you're really in some foreign territory. You have messed with the you primal have, forces of nature. <laughs> with the laws of the laws of physics, physics no longer apply. This is how strange a territory you're entering into here. So. I think it's a really nice shot. I think Ridley Scott, there's a interview in a, in a documentary on the Blu-ray set where he talks about, it seems as though, I, I forget who, there's somebody in particular he was talking about, but that he did this shot and he, and Ridley Scott uncharacteristically grins and seems to be taking leave for a moment and, well, that'll really weird him out. I can't remember who it was he was talking about, but uh, well, it, there's obviously a shot that's like, what he felt about the audience too. Th- there's a cocktail shot like that, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know what movie that's in? Blood of the Poet, I think. Maybe it's either yeah. that or Beauty and the Beast, where they're in a space where physics doesn't doesn't work right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's it's an old trick. It's an old trick, and it and it's not. It doesn't seem to be. I mean, let's see if I could put this. Kane is giving us this narration of everything he's finding, like this sort of scientific dictation. He doesn't comment on that. It's kind of interesting. It makes you wonder if it's really supposed to be in the text of the movie at all. If it's not just something that's informing the viewer, and but isn't necessarily exactly. Oh yeah, happening. you're right. Why you doesn't he say the drips are going the I, wrong way? Wouldn't that be something you would comment on? I think it's a, <laughs> it's a nice omission to be honest, because it's. I think if he said something about it, then you would just assume it had something to do with the physics of the ship, even though it couldn't. Well, and the surrealists would want you to notice it as a kind of reminder of the kind of constructedness of the experience of cinema and this I think is just meant to be creepy right it's meant to be it's meant to be believable in a way that in a surrealist movie it would be sort of pointing out something very different so it sort of takes a surrealist trope and flips it on its head makes it the uncanny right we've all seen water drip one way but when it drips the other way something's not right yeah it's just disquieting image for sure they're 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 really putting us through the steps. This is a real process-oriented little sequence here. Yeah. You know, reach up, hiss, draw back, move in. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see every step of this thing deliberately laid out for us until something less deliberate happens. Yeah, and so we end this minute with something coming to life. Like we actually get an image of what is inside the egg, this translucent, again, how this isn't creeping him out, <laughs> translucent things. Uh, just are kind of gross to me. But uh, inside of there, we see a little movement, a little like tendrils quivering about and just, you know, a little behind the scenes. Those are Ridley Scott's hands inside of rubber gloves <laughs> moving around for the sake of effect. It, Mitch, when you when you saw this back in, in 79 in the theater for the first time, how did this one like there's these little moments where I always want to know how Mitch felt knowing nothing about the movie. Um, I was as absolutely fascinated as as Kane was. Yeah, I'm, I'm again just this. It just keeps giving us this information, and you can't look away because it's nothing like you've ever seen before. You know, it probably isn't going to end well, but you can't stop looking. And it's a it's a real testament to the filmmaking that it draws you in the way it does, and that it controls the flow. Storytelling is all about controlling the flow of information, and this movie really controls that information flow really well. Yeah, 
Does anyone have anything else? I'm good. I think it's all my notes for this minute. Caitlin? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where can they find us, John? Well, they can find us at AlienMinute.com, or you can follow us at AlienMinutePod on Twitter. You can also uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or the Stitcher app. Make sure and uh, join the conversation on our Facebook chat group. Um, So that'll do it for minute number 34. We'll see you tomorrow for 35.